Hello Saints, Todd here with SafeguardYourSoul.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so blessed to have these moments together in the Word of God. And remember, Saints, there's nothing, there's nothing, no thing happening on God's planet that is even remotely as important as the work of the gospel and feeding the sheep of Jesus Christ for whom he died to save so that they can grow in grace, they can be edified, they can be equipped for the work of the ministry according to the scriptures. And let me just guarantee you this one thing, by the grace of God, this outreach will continue to unapologetically endeavor to preach the whole of the word of God, regardless of who gets offended or not in Jesus name. And please remember that your prayers and support are vital to this operation. Thank you. Hello, my friends. I just wanted to give a short word of encouragement here that when we look to approach people to minister to them, we all have a desire, all true disciples of Jesus, to see other people saved. Well, I just want to encourage you not to make it something it really isn't. It's very practical and very simple. We're simply going forth in our day or in our special mission that we're going to go out together, a couple, three or four of us or whatever, a group of us to the streets and stuff. Listen, our approach is that we're going to be moved with compassion with God's love to go be a blessing to people and everything else will follow. Now, when I say that, I mean, once we show the people that we love them, they feel God's love. We're not hollering at them. We're not yelling at them. We're not scorning or condemning them. We're going out as people that the Lord has found and rescued, pulled us out of the miry clay, as Psalms 40 says, and we're going to go reach a hand out and say, Look at Jesus, you know, the spirit and the bride say, come. We're giving them an invitation. This is a loving, godly approach that should govern the way we approach people, to love them, to hug them, to shake their hand, to be kind to them. Because you see, Jesus taught us. For example, in the end of Matthew 9, that Jesus was moved with compassion, he says, when he saw the lost souls on the streets as he went. And notice he ministered to them and healed them. We never see Jesus screaming at anyone. Now, declaring the truth of God under the conviction of the Holy Ghost and with the Word of God is one thing. But in our own flesh, screaming and yelling at people, you know, the Bible says in James 1.20 that the wrath of man, that's us, worketh not the righteousness of God. So by that, we know that it doesn't glorify God that we pour out our own wrath, if you will, which is totally unwarranted, being that we have no grounds for that. So there at the end of Matthew 9, 35 through 38, I want to encourage you to read that prayerfully. Jesus says that we are to pray that the Father send forth labors into the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And tying that together with the way Jesus ministered there in that passage would be very important because he was moved with compassion. And so this would be the exact laborers that we should pray that the Father would send forth those that are moved with compassion, not just laborers, but laborers who are deeply rooted in Christ and in the love of Christ, and therefore will be moved with compassion to labor, to minister to the lost souls around us. So being moved with compassion and not hate or a self-agenda or self-will or 
taking an offense to sinners as if we're righteous at all outside of Christ. Paul made that clear. He said, there's no good thing that dwells in me that is in my flesh. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? The book of Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, that God so loved the world, not hated, but so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. How about John 15, 13? Greater love, Jesus says, hath no man than this, than that a man should lay down his life for his friends. Jesus came from the Father in love. He did not come in hate. In fact, the scripture says in Romans chapter 5, that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. You know, while those people are still sinners, we should approach them uh, from a crucified life that's pouring out the love of God. That doesn't mean we sacrifice the truth. No, we speak the truth, all of it in love. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Let us be reminded of 1 John four ten, which says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, that is, as sinners, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation the atoning sacrifice for our sins. How about verse 19, 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. So God's approach to us was laced and grounded in his love toward us. And we should consider approaching sinners with that love that God has put in our hearts, having found and saved us into his eternal family. Amen. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that God God lets the rain to fall on the sun to shine on the evil and on the good. And he said that he wants us to be perfect in that perspective, which means not sinless perfection so much as spiritually mature in our approach to the lost and to reach out a hand. And once that door is open, then we're going to be able to engage them in a conversation concerning the law and how they have broken it, even as we have, and take them through some of the Ten Commandments. It's essential, beloved, that you learn the Ten Commandments and that you're able to ask them, you know, have you started? stolen anything. And because the Bible says thou shalt not steal and get them to admit it, you know, the truth and, and share with them that you have too. And then have you ever lied? And because the Bible says thou shalt not bear false witness. And, you know, again, it's a loving approach. You know, I always get quite amazed that some of these guys that been street evangelizing for many years and how they're yelling at people. They're self-righteous. Listen, that's ugly, folks. The only reason why we're saved is by the sheer mercy of God. And that's what Paul wrote in Titus 3 when he says in verse 5 and 6, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through who? Through Jesus Christ. See, our place with God is based only on on the mercy of God given to us through the merit of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own other than that which is filthy rag. So we've got to be grounded in, in, in this truth, this biblical truth, and it'll help us to live lives of humility all the way across the board, including in our approach to evangelism. Evangelism isn't going to the street and yelling at people because you're righteous and they're unrighteous. You know, I was watching a video earlier today, but, you know, with a guy that's been 
evangelizing for a long time and probably going to pray for him later today. I don't want to condemn him. Not going to mention his name, but you know, he's sitting there, he's standing there telling people like he's righteous through Christ and he never sins. And the guy says, do you ever sin? He goes, no, I stopped sinning. I never sinned. Folks, please, come on. I'm not saying at any time that sin is God's fault. Not at all. It's always our fault. But I'm real concerned about somebody who runs around saying they never sin. That's a sin right there. Sounds like to me, it sounds like it's a, first of all, it's a lie, probably. <laughs> if you claim that you never sin, thought, word, or deed, that means you have nothing to confess. That means First John 1, 9 doesn't even need to be in the Bible, according to them, you know. Listen here to Job chapter 9, verse 20. It says, If I justify myself, this is talking about self-righteousness. If I justify myself, mine own mouth shall condemn me. If I say I am perfect, it shall also prove me perverse. And let's look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 9. It's interesting. It's Job 9, 20 in Proverbs 20, verse 9. Kind of makes it easy to understand. Job 9, 20, Proverbs 20, verse 9. It says, who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. Again, who can say, I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Which one among us, in other words, can say that I'm totally flawless and sinful now? There's no doubt that Jesus came to take away all our sins and for us to be crucified with Christ every day. And scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, there must be something to cleanse ourselves from. That means confess your sins, 1 John 1, 9, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John 13, Jesus says, those that are washed, in other words, those that have been regenerated by the washing of water, Titus 3, verse 5 and 6, then by the Holy Spirit, then they need only to have their feet cleaned after they've been initially regenerated. In other words, if they stumble or they allow filth or they do something they shouldn't have done, then they need to go back and get that cleansed. But they don't need their whole being cleansed. They just need to take care of the things they did that did not please God. Perhaps we're talking about here the difference between trusting God and ourself. You'll notice Jesus taught, and it's here in Luke 18, verse 9, beginning in verse 9. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And that's what I see when I watch the fellow that was out there preaching and telling the other guy is another Christian guy having a conversation with him. And, you know, the preacher guy was extremely self-righteous in my estimation. This is what I see right here. Again, Jesus said he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Listen, folks, our righteousness is only in Christ and it's only there. And we're only making contact with him and being in an abiding, saving relationship with him when we're trusting in his goodness and his justification, not how good we are and how perfect our performance is. That right there seems that our performance is not perfect because we're being self-righteous. And Jesus seemed to indicate in Matthew 21, 31, that even the harlots and the publicans would be in heaven before the self-righteous religionist. So he's speaking to the religionists here, parable or earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what a parable is, an earthly story something we all relate to in the natural, with a heavenly or divine truth, a heavenly meaning. He spake this parable unto who? Certain which trusted in themselves. Some of us, all of us need to take heed to this, that they were righteous and despised others. First of all, Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of our own righteousnesses are as filthy rags. I mean, some of these guys that go on the street and yell at folks. Now, there's some good street preachers. 
just praise God. I don't want to be too nitpicky about it. And I certainly don't believe that people that aren't doing any kind of ministry, need, especially they don't need, they're in no position to being too harsh on folks that are, even though the ones, some of them that are, are being, they need, this needs to be addressed. And we've got some articles on the website about this self-righteousness and this no inherent sin, falsehood, and stop sinning. They tell, these guys tell sinners to stop sinning before they're even saved. It's ridiculous. And they even teach, as Charles Finney, I believe it was, taught that error, that people can actually stop sinning before they actually get saved and that they have to in order to get saved. You got to be kidding me that any biblical student could believe that. Listen, we have to be regenerated, born again. And at that moment, we're given by the grace of God, the divine ability, the grace of God to overcome all sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you, believer, because you're not under the law, but under grace. In that context of Romans 6, it says you count yourself to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. As you're walking in the daily cross, the Holy Spirit is giving you complete mastery over the sin, inherent sin nature. Verse 10, Luke 18, two men went up into the temple to pray. The one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Two people, a Pharisee and a publican. The religionists represented, and a lot of people today claiming to be religious or Christians, even these preachers I'm talking about, need to identify themselves here. Which one are you? Which one am I? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. Notice he prayed thus with himself. In other words, God wasn't about to hear this prayer because this guy is so full of self-righteousness and self-love. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. Huh. I fast twice a week. In other words, I go to church every week or twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. That's what he said. 34 words. You can go count it for yourself. The Pharisee, the, the religious, self-righteous religionist, that's the last type of person you'd want to be, folks. You'd rather be a prostitute or a whoremonger or any other vile sin than you would be a self-righteous religionist because they're as sure for hell as if they were already there if you know the teachings of Jesus. Now notice this prayer that the publican prayed in a repentant heart, obviously. Jesus said, and the publican, here's the second of the two. Here's his prayer. You ready? It's short. So listen close. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven. In other words, he bowed his head in utter shame, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Seven words, he prayed, out of a sincere, humble heart, relying on the Lord, not his own self-righteousness. And in verse 14, this is the end. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased or humbled. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Beloved, we must humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift us up. We don't lift ourselves up and tout our own righteousness and our own perfect performance. That's ridiculous. That's a lie in itself, actually. Who are we trying to kid that we haven't entered into and said things or thought things or meditated on things we shouldn't have or lusted or hated or did not forgive? That's a joke. That's a farce. And so to run around saying that we're righteous and never sin, excuse me, please. So anyway, beloved, let's approach sinners 
with Christ's love. And remember, in 1 John, we learned how we did not first love him. He first loved us. And that's how we were blessed to come to, to him. While we were yet sinners, beloved, Jesus came. God sent his only begotten son to die for us. Romans 5, verse 6 through 8. So remember that as we approach sinners and let us be blessed to be moved with compassion, not judgment. The Bible says the wrath or the judgment of man worketh not the righteousness of God. It's totally and completely inappropriate. I believe that's James 1, verse 20. It's inappropriate because we are not sinless perfection. Jesus told in John 8, he said, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. This is a basic biblical teaching. And I want to encourage you, beloved, to be blessed, to allow the Lord to continue to bless you, to be more and more humble and to approach the lost with kindness and love. We've got an article on the website, I want to encourage you to read called Kindness is a Soul Winning Weapon. Just put in the word kind or kindness in the little search box on the right and pop up. God bless you, my friend. Thank you for listening. And I hope this will encourage you to be blessed, to go out and be a blessing to some people. Maybe you'll meet some Christians. We do it all the time. You know, when I go out and talk to people or when I'm in the way, going here or there and I talk to people, many times you're able to edify and bless a believer by simply asking them if you can pray for them. It opens it up to all kinds of other stuff. And I knew some people that used to go door to door and hand out loaves of bread and just ask the people if there's any way they could pray for them. And man, that opens so many doors. And again, that's a good approach. That's an approach of being moved with compassion like Jesus was in Matthew 9, verse 35 to 38. Instead of this idea of going out and yelling at everybody, holding up these signs for people to stop sinning. That's ridiculous. Get them saved, folks. Give them the law. Love them. Give them the law. Let them be convicted by the law. Not by you, but by the law. And then bring them into the kingdom, man. Catch men. Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. I'll make you to, to catch men. In the Greek, that means capture them. Bring them in the boat, man. Lead them in, a, in repentance if they're willing. And help them to lay down their life and begin their walk with Jesus right there. God bless you, friend. Again, thanks for listening. Please avail yourself to safeguardyoursoul.com. Well, brothers and sisters, it's been a blessing to spend these moments with you in the Word of God. And remember, there's hundreds of more Christ-centered, scripture-rich, edifying podcasts on safeguardyoursoul.com forward slash audios. There's also a store page with several many books on there for your edification in Christ. They're all scripture-rich and Christ-centered. Also, tens of thousands of saints and sinners are being reached every month, and you're prayers are coveted for the fruitfulness and supply of this outreach. God be praised, by the way, for those who are supporting. And feel free to visit our donate page on the site. And you can use your debit card, PayPal, or Patreon. And you can become a monthly sustaining member if you choose to do so. And a gift of any amount is so appreciated. Part of this outreach is to equip and supply other ministering disciples across our great country and all over the world. And may God be praised that there's fruitfulness happening among his people and through his beloved saints as we know that the return of our Lord Jesus Christ draws nigh. And we say together in the words of Revelation 22, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.